Hey everyone, this is Scott Schweitzer, and this is Craft Beers and Cheat Meals. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, this episode is going to contain uh, part one of our Tennessee tasting. Uh, the episode went a little bit long, so what I decided to do is split this into two episodes, so it was a little more consumable for you, the listener. Uh, so please join us this week on Craft Beers and Cheat Meals, uh, the Tennessee tasting and roundtable discussion, part one. This is Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends and I like to hang out and relax over craft beers and really, really good food. We want to take you on a journey as we discover these new and exciting places. Come along for the ride. If you enjoy these podcasts, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a really good rating. Thank you for joining us. Now off to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. And with me today, we have a little abbreviated crew. Uh, I have Kit Hagen. What's up, Kit? What's up, Scott? You'll, uh, I guess, be happy to know that I took my Packer flag down after the horrible <laughs> loss to the I, Niners this week. If, if I suffered a loss like that, I'd be taking everything down, too. <laughs> I have no words for that. <laughs> and what was kind of like redeeming is you know, that running back for San Francisco was a former Bear. I did not know that, really. Yeah, we let him go. So I hate that guy. <laughs> so that makes me hate him even more. <laughs> and I got Nick Switzer with me. What's up, Nick? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to try these uh, the beers you got down in Tennessee. Yeah, so we are going to lead off the show with, uh, we're going to just do a little tasting. We have, gosh, a lot, uh, two, five, eight beers from Tennessee that I brought back. Uh, we're just going to do small tastings and kind of get the impressions of these two guys. I've had all of them except for three. Um, those I have not tasted yet, so I'll get those new. Uh, so we will do that. And in addition to that, uh, Nick and Kit went to Beer Fest here in Columbus. Uh, so we'll get their impressions of what they saw there. From what we remember. Exactly. <laughs> More like Drunk Fest. <laughs> and then after that, we will uh, talk about a couple acquisitions. Uh, actually, one acquisition and one kind of move-ish yeah. thing yep. uh, here in Columbus. So with that, let's tap one of these growlers. You want to uh, open one up? I have a little bit of a story on our tastings that I got some feedback from some listeners, actually. So while uh, I'm telling that story, why don't you pour one of these for us? Well, let's start with uh, the Hicks Farm, uh, and this is their uh, coffee cream ale. Nice. I think, no, I'm sorry. It's not a cream ale. Uh, it is a coffee, is it? No, it's not. It's just a coffee. Um, We're off to a good start here. Yeah. <laughs> coffee Shoot. cream ale. They talked about it. If you if you want to know more about this beer, it's on episode nine. Well, they talked about a cream ale. They said it was yeah, sort they, of a corn They had one in cream. the hopper as yeah. a cream ale. And actually, Red Silo, which we're going to taste soon, they did a coffee cream ale. So that's why I'm getting it mixed up. So uh, this, you got a growler. This is a this. coffee stout. Coffee stout. Coffee stout. Okay, and you got a growler of this, right? 
I did. Sort of what I'm opening here. If I yeah, and it, it. we did it tight because we wanted it to travel well and keep its integrity. Nice. So I was, uh, I was um, talking with one of my buddies yesterday, and uh, yeah, we're having actually having technical difficulties. Can't get the cap off the bottle. That's interesting. Um, I thought you were a CrossFitter. You're only supposed to be able to like, yeah, this is crank a, that thing open. You got it too tight. When I warm, put on some warm water or something. <laughs> My goodness, you're gonna <laughs> might have to snap off the glass or something. Yeah, don't do that. We'll drink it out right out of the bottle. <sighs> that actually did happen to me two weeks ago. I was trying to open up a a growler and I could not get it open, so I was like tapping it on the on the counter and apparently I chipped the glass because I finally got the lid off yeah. and I went to like pour it out in my glass and the glass just cracked oh, really? right where my finger was. Yeah, you was, Cut yourself? Yeah, a little bit. Yikes. It was brutal. So we're not uh, going to do that one because we can't get it. Go ahead, go ahead and tell the story. <laughs> I'm going to grab some channel locks <laughs> and get that thing off. All right. So the, unfortunately, this isn't a super long story, but I, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. So I had I had a, a buddy that uh, listens to our podcast. He he came over yesterday, and we were chatting about it. And um, he had specifically listened to the holiday podcast. And oh, he, nice. he said, "Yeah." He's like, "My wife and I were listening to it." And uh, I said, "Well, what do you think?" He, he said, "Well, it was great. You know, we you guys got into like four or five, six different beers, and then you hit one that we had." And I was oh. like, "Well, which one was it?" And they're like, "Oh, it was the Shiner, the Shiner Christmas beer." Oh, nice. And he he goes. You guys just destroyed that beer. You nobody liked it. You all hated it. I was like, yeah, pretty much. He's like, we love that beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that is uh, that's what we always talk about. Yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks. But he's like, you totally just destroyed. You all four, of you guys destroyed that beer. I'm like, yeah, we, we. I was like, that was the one with peaches, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, we love it. I'm like, well, there you go. You know. Yeah, I had it kind of randomly. Um, and I thought it was pretty good. I didn't, I don't think I, I probably liked it more than you guys did, but I actually enjoyed the kind of peach spice combination. Um, definitely not something I would go out of my way to get, but um, yeah, that's funny though. Yeah. I think we, I think we universally didn't like the flavors, but I think we gave Shiner some respect for trying to put peaches in a Christmas beer, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. Um, and actually, I think on an episode, I talked to Bacon. And he said in the South, that is like the best seller they have down there. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he said they call it the Krispy Kreme beer because they can't keep it on the shelves. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there you go. Southern taste versus Northern taste, maybe. Yeah. So so Scott has actually gotten the channel lock pliers out <laughs> and finally opened the growler. That was, that was, that was an interesting <laughs> opening to the podcast here. I love it. So this is the, uh, the Hicks Farm. Yeah, this is Hicks Farm. Um, it is, it's a coffee. I think they call it Papa's Papa's OG coffee. Oh, you, so when I, I was listening to that podcast cause I wasn't there, but two of the three Hicks, uh, employees, I think they rated this as their favorite beer, right? They did. Ooh, it's good. I like it. Yeah. You, you, you have to like coffee. It's yep. got a good coffee, um, background to it. Yep. And, it's if you listen to that episode, um, they actually talk about the partnership they did with the coffee shop down the street, uh, and dirt, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name now. I feel so bad. Uh, he was the the brewer, and he was amazing. Uh, they actually went through like nine different roasts of coffee wow. with that um, 
with that coffee shop to get the coffee they used for this. Yeah, it's it's good. I like it's a fairly mild coffee flavor to me, but um, it complements the chocolate really nicely. It's not a super dark chocolate, maybe more of like a darker milkish chocolate, but it it really it's really nice. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It it when I heard that original episode, I thought, oh, it's going to have a real coffee punch to it, and no. it, it doesn't. But it it's there, but it's nice and smooth. That 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 roast selection they must have you know selected a pretty mild roast to put in here and it pairs really nicely with the stout yeah it's it's something i really enjoyed it's also not um it doesn't have like a stout heaviness to it it it's it's got a you know interesting kind of lightness in 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 the mouth on it you know it's almost closer to a porter than anything i'd agree it's not heavy at all now how do you i'm i'm looking this thing up in uh in untapped is is hicks is it H I C or is it H I X H I X? Yeah. Well, there we go. That um, I'm glad I listened to the end of your last podcast though, because you're the fact that you gave at the end about the farm being handed down through the line of women in the family was was really awesome. I'm I'm, I'm bummed that you guys couldn't talk about that more with them because that's that's really unique. Yeah, we didn't have any family members in there to really talk about that more heavily. But I love the fact that to keep the farm going, they connected it with this brewery and they grow the hops on that farm uh, for a lot of their beer. So that's, that's pretty cool. And that the, the guys who own the bar from that family are aerospace engineers. Right. (laughs) Right. So Papa's coffee stout on that. That's it on untapped only has seven chickens actually. Yeah, when Mike and I were there, I think they had just tapped it. And they, I, they're they not on Untapped, like linked up with Untapped. Mm-hmm. So you, I think we actually had to enter it in. Yeah, you might have. It looks oh, like nice. it. <laughs> it actually is described as a nanobrewery, so not even a microbrewery, nanobrewery. Oh, wow. I'm always too lazy to actually create the log for Untapped, so I'm glad you guys did that. <laughs> I like this beer. I like it a lot. So you gave this a five. No, 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 no. No, this we're, was... Um, I gave it, I think you can hit four. Friends. Yeah. I think it's a four. Okay. Yeah. This is about a four for me too. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. It's, it's, it's a very drinkable too for a stout. I think you know, we talked about how stouts can be kind of a Im- imposing beer a little bit. People don't like to drink stouts sometimes. I think this would be a good entry point into stouts if you wanted to try it. Well, and it was nice because we got there after driving eight hours, uh, to Cookville uh, it was Friday, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. It was a nice afternoon beer just to sip on and kind of shoot the breeze with people in the bar. It, it just seemed to go really well. Yeah. This would pair great with like a, even like a heavy dinner too, because it's, it's not heavy on its own. And the other nice thing I like about it is some stouts get a little bit, they make your mouth sticky to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, this one doesn't do that at all. Um, it's not overly malty or anything like that so it's it's awesome all right we ready to go for what i ranked a five yeah so hopefully we can get the cap off this growler oh is this this uh, and i'm silo? really happy that that um held its integrity we did get it tight enough for that to happen but maybe a little too tight to open <laughs> yeah so i can need the ch- oh see this one doesn't need channel locks this is uh, so. So tell us, this is Red Silo, also from Cookville. So you guys stopped at this one as well, right? We did, and they they are part two of our Cookville. 
uh, podcasts. This is called Sweet Carmeline. And the owner, Elijah, actually sang the Neil Diamond song. I know Nick will be excited about that. Yeah, uh, those are sweet real bangers. <laughs> uh, Come on. They, like, our generation will go to bars and just sing Sweet Caroline. Sweet In fact, Caroline, I understand. I think the difference for me is that my aunt, Scott's wife, will literally play Neil Diamond records all day long at family <laughs> gatherings. And that starts to get a bit old after the third or fourth record. Well, she knows it annoys you, so that's, I think, why she does it. Oh, she also sings along, which is uh, an added touch. It's a bonus. Yeah, so I'm going to top that a bit, maybe. Did you actually see the Neil Diamond? You ever seen Jazz Singer, the movie? Oh, yeah. My dad took me to see that in the movie theater. Oh, wow. (laughs) I had to have been like nine years old, and I'm like, what what is this? I have it on vinyl upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that tops it or not, or, but I know every word to every song on that album. <laughs> yeah. That so, was... so to Neil Diamond, yeah. some sweet Carmeline. Da, this da, is a da. salted caramel milk stout. Ooh, smells great. So Red Silo, Cookville. What do you think? So this is what I gave a five. Wow. There's a lot going on there. Um, it's almost punchy in the uh, there's something on the back of that that is um, it has almost like an effervescent sort of punch to it, although the beer itself isn't effervescent. It's very kind of creamy, stouty. And I can taste the caramel. The caramel doesn't hit you right up front, although you can smell it, but it starts coming on the back for sure. But I don't know what, Nick, what is that like? There's something right on the front of it that is like kind of yeah. grabs you. I'm struggling to place a lot of stuff in this beer. The I'm getting a lot of like the it's like a rock salt yeah. at the end of it. Yep. That's the that's the that's definitely the aftertaste, but yeah, I don't wow, this is it is a very complex beer, very layered, lots of different flavors. Um you can kind of taste the the lactose, the milk, the milkiness in there for sure. You know, in comparison to the, um, you know, the Hicks Farm one, th- this one sits in your mouth a lot heavier, kind of coats your mouth. Like a traditional stout. Like a traditional stout. It's a bit sticky. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I definitely would want to sit with this for a full glass. I, I don't know if I could give this a five, but I can see how you could give it a five because it is so layered in its its uh, taste. Now, you drank this right so we're drinking out of a growler, but you drank this right out of the brewery. I did. Did it taste any different to you uh, at the brewery? I think that back end was a little lighter there. Um, it wasn't as um, pun. I don't. It has more of a punch now than it did when I drank it there on that back end. Yeah. It stayed creamier a little bit longer. Yep. I yeah. think um, sometimes when I drink these these milk stouts like this, they you have an initial taste and then actually the more you drink it, the more your mouth kind of gets coated with it and the flavor profiles start changing a little bit. And I, th- I think that's happening with this one. Like that first one was really sharp. As I take a couple more sips of this, it's starting to smooth out a little bit. Yeah. You kind of ease into the caramel a little bit more, yep. get a little bit less of the rock salt taste to me. Um, this is, this is good. It's definitely, it's not a five for me. I'm not really getting much of the creaminess. 
aftertaste. Maybe that's just like you said, maybe it's cause it's coming out of the growler. Um, but this is good though. I, this is again, not a very heavy stout yep. either. Yeah. And this kind of, for me falls into like sort of that dessert beer category a little bit because mm. there's so much caramel in it. It's, it's, it's not overly sweet. I mean, there's some sweetness to it, but it's not, sometimes they go crazy with the sweetness in these, in these stouts and it, it's not, it's not there. I, I think Nick's description of the rock salt, I think that's exactly right. That That's one of the biggest flavors that I'm getting out of this. It's like a kind of a punchy salt with the caramel. Yeah. And again, it has a little bit different taste today than it did at, right out of the brewery. And it was the first beer I had when I was there. Yeah. Uh, so there was nothing else in my system before I, right. I tasted it. Um, but yeah, I think maybe the salt's got a little stronger. Yeah. Um, maybe sitting it, in the growler. Yeah. And maybe what I do like about it though, is it still has the stout integrity yep. with a little bit of caramel Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's not like you said, so sweet where that just took, takes over. Yeah. I wonder what, if the temperature that we're drinking at is playing a part two, cause these are Ice really, cold. really cold. Yep. I almost wonder if, it being at the brewery, maybe a few degrees warmer, if that's where that could be the kind of creamy part would come out more. I have noticed I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was looking at um, one of your check ins, Scott, and you you tried Oma Gang's Three Philosophers. And I think your comment on it was, I'm excited to try this beer because two of my friends have rated it a five. And I know for a fact that I rated it a five. I, I, I really love that beer. I had that beer uh, last week. I, I I, I went somewhere and they had it in a can and I tried it cause I was like, Oh, three philosophers love that beer. And then I was thinking about your comments and I tried the beer and it wasn't as good as I remember it being. And I don't know if that was because it was out of the can. I don't know if that's because it's changed over time, mm-hmm. but you, you definitely had a lower rating of it. You're like, yeah, I'm excited to try it. But then I think you end up saying, yeah, it's okay. I gave it a three and a half or something like that. And yeah, I, I'm not sure it even got that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it did. And, and I was, and, and so I went back and tried it again. I'm like, that doesn't taste as good. And I don't, did they change the formula? I don't know. Yeah. And I had it in a bottle. It was, so it was not draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, like I'll, I think I had three friends that all ranked at a five Yeah, and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to try this. And then, and, and your and I's palate is fairly similar. That's right. So for you to rank it a five, I was really excited. Um, and then to, to kind of be disappointed. Yeah. I, I also, I had a, one of my go-to probably top five beers. It's was one of my entry beers, as we like to say, was uh dogfish head 90 minute. Lo- mm-hmm. Love that beer. Uh, can drink that beer all day long. Although, I made a comment at one point that you can't go over 270 minutes or you're going to have some problems. But um, I had one the other day, and it just was not as good as it historically has been for me. I was just going to ask if, if you've been back to it recently because I felt the same way the first time I had 90 Minute. Mm-hmm. It was, like, mind-blowingly good. Right. I came back to it maybe two years later, and it was it was fine. It, w- it wasn't bad by yep. any means, but it wasn't great. So then I also tried the 60 and the 120. And the 120. Um, and really did not like either of those mm. at all. Yeah. So I don't, again, that might be another thing where it's just, maybe it's just they're producing on a larger scale and that has changed something. In well, process. we, we talk know. a lot about these acquisitions and we're going to talk about another one here in a little while. And these guys are all making these decisions because they want higher brewing capacity. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they move them into these big production level tanks. And so, 
Dogfish and Sam did a partnership, and I'm assuming they've moved production over there. Uh, Oma Gang is partnered with Duvel. I, I don't know if I don't assume they're shipping their beer overseas to have it produced and then shipping it back, but I wonder if that's a consequence. Um, you know, we we always say that in theory, putting them in these big brewers should help the consistencies of the beer. But I don't know. Maybe it's also losing something. You've, you've talked about the glass line tanks at at uh, <laughs> Old Latrobe. <laughs> Old Latrobe. Yeah. But you, no, I mean, legitimately, you yeah. said it. It tasted different when uh, when Rolling Rock moved. Well, I think when I talked to Bacon on our Bacon Report, uh, he he explained that when you double, when you acquire to go to a bigger um, tank, you don't just double the recipe. Like there, you have to find the balance again. Mm-hmm. You figured out the balance at this size, and then you have to figure out the balance again on a different size. And it doesn't mean you just f- use fractions and go the exact same. Right. Um, it you may need to pull off something or add a little bit more of something when you go bigger. Right. Um, and he said that's that's a tough thing trying to figure out what that balance is again. Yeah. Yeah. When I was talking to the guys uh, at uh, I think it was JT Rat- or JJ Radinger uh, in Pottstown. Uh, PA, I was talking to the brewmaster and he had been in th- that thing had been open for like a week. And he said, I'm just trying to dial in the brewing system. He's mm-hmm. like, I we have this brand new brewing system, never used it. Um, they came in, you know, the manufacturer came in, walked them through a test batch, but he's like, I'm just still trying to get used to this thing. And I think it probably makes sense as you go up in size, you know, to your point that you got to get used to brewing it on a larger scale. That's such a great point too. I, now that I'm more accustomed with drinking so many different types of beer and I've my tastes have kind of solidified into certain things that I like and dislike, I have to kind of check myself at the door when I go to new breweries because a lot of times it's the same thing. They're relatively new. They've probably been brewing on a smaller scale before. And so they're just still in the process of trying to figure it out. And that's what happened with me when I went to Olentangy River the first time. I had their beers and I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. There's nothing really that stands out to me at the time. I went back probably a year later and had completely different opinions on their beers. Um, and then just recently with their, with their, uh, anniversary party that they did, um, some of the special barrel age stuff that they rolled out was really fantastic. I think at least one or two of those were fives for me. So, um, it's just something that I almost have to just temper my own expectations. If it's a brand new brewery, um, just to give them the time to be able to, you know, figure it out on their own. So you mentioned their one-year anniversary, and we've kind of mentioned this. Um, I am in final talks to uh, do a podcast with the brewers of Olentangy. Um, They have wanted to be on the podcast uh, since we launched. Uh, So Enrique Iglesias and Josh uh, want to do the podcast. But I wanted to let you know, they actually came out with a new hazy Mm. or double uh, called How Do You Pronounce Sciota? Oh, I think I saw you check that in. (laughs) That's awesome. And it is... It is like their um, Susie, I think it was, or Susie, is their base uh, hazy IPA. This one, I think, is even better. Really? Like they've kicked it up a little bit, and they're they're really dialing it in, and it's, uh, I think I gave it a pretty high rating, but I think you would like it a lot with, the, with your palate. I'll definitely check that out. All so, right, so we've moved into the next red silo. Uh, which is called the Farmer's Daughter, and this is actually uh, on the bottle considered a Belgian Golden Ale, five point eight APV, 
18 IBU. Uh, description is this Belgian golden ale has a rich, complex Vienna malt flavor balanced with a bit of spicy Kent Golding hops and esters from Belgian yeast. The hops and grains are employed to express variations within the style. This beer is deceivingly drinkable. Some liken this to some liken this ale to a farmer's daughter grabbing your attention and getting you in trouble. <laughs> so consume responsibly. <laughs> nice. Is this the one that Mike said that was crushable or something? Uh, no. Oh, no, no. Okay. That was an IPA. Just to close the door on uh, Sweet Carmeline, I think I'm going to give that a, a three. Just, just. I know you gave it a five. I, I, it's good. It's better than a two and a half for me, but... I'm giving it a three. Yeah, I was about a three and a half on that. And and you're a tough grader. I am. I, I've <laughs> my buddies out in Seattle keep giving me grief about this, but um, when we first started our podcast, my average grade was three point one two, and it has been going down. <laughs> I'm below three now. I'm at. I'm pretty sure I'm at two point nine. That's so, funny. My I feel like my rating's actually gone up over time, probably just because I stick more to what I like, but. That's funny. So this is the farmer's daughter. And the Belgian golden ales for me are right in my sweet spot. I, I, I like everything Belgian except, except sours. And um, this is definitely a, a golden ale. It's uh, it's not quite as sour as like a Duvel might be. Um, it's It's got some nice bubbliness to it but not overly bubbly. It's not like a champagne Belgian. What do you guys think? Yeah, I um, I actually really enjoyed that one. Um, and this is my first time. This is one of the ones I did not try when I was in Cookville. Uh, that is, that's like a nice summer beer. I could see myself like sitting on the back deck, enjoying a six pack of those and being really good. Yeah, I'm... I'm a little less hot on this beer. It's I can't really place where it's at in my mind because it starts off really nice and bubbly and fresh and then kind of settles into the malts a lot heavier. And malt is not my favorite favorite quality in a beer for sure. Um has a really nice smell to it. Um and it does seem light. I could see you know, definitely as like a late summer, early fall type beer, but um, probably not one I would come back to. Yeah, I think, you know, when you were talking about the idea of sort of crushableness of a beer, I mean, th- this beer you could drink a couple of for sure. Mm. And and for me, um, I like these flavors. Uh, there is no sour back on it. It, t- it, it. it also, it almost tastes to me like a like a complex pilsner, if that makes sense, right? Mm. So most pilsners are real, real simple, cr- clean, crisp. That's it, right? This is like a pilsner with kind of an interesting flavor component to it. That's a great call. Yeah, I think I think that hit it on the head. Yeah, when pilsner you said is that, that was ex- not that was my it. type of beer for sure. Yeah, that was a great call. And you know, it's it's not heavy at all. Um, at five point eight percent, you know, it's not a a Belgian that is going to knock you off your stool if you eat, if you drink three of them, right? This would be fine. Um, I, I like this beer. I think it's good. It's, it's, it's just, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I liked it. What do you, uh, what do you, what I do gave, you rate this? I gave it a three, five. Yeah. I, I'd say the same 3.5. I, I might even go a little higher. 
I'm yeah, feeling, me, I'm feeling generous. For me, this is. Um, I feel like they really went for it with this beer, which I really appreciate, and they. That's definitely a unique beer. I don't think I've had something quite like that before. The Pilsner with the multi um, sweet aftertaste, but um, just not something that is it kind of in my wheelhouse. So a little bit lower rating for me. So um, I know you guys went to this place, but I mean, give me give me the feel of, of Red Silo. You were talking a little bit about how they're expanding and it's, it's a pretty large place. Is that right? Yeah. Um it is it is getting larger so they they actually lease the space for a couple of years mm-hmm. and they didn't really do anything to the building they just recently i think a year ago purchased the building uh so then they've renovated and they've moved they need to expand production because they actually bottle as you can see mm. uh and they were telling me the sweet carmeline lasted three days on the shelf in cookville mm. wow so they bottle it as well. They bottle, yeah. These are these are from their bottling, um, and you can get that at the brewery or at I would we were at Kroger and saw it on the shelf uh, hmm. down there. Um, but they they started as it would just be a bar with like a little stage. They have live music a couple nights a week. Um, they have a patio that's really nice with this little and um, if you checked it out on social media when I released it, there's like a painted red silo like on the deck nice. uh, that's kind of nice. Um, and they have food trucks continuously. Uh, good Southern Cook. And we actually had, it was like New Orleans style uh, the night we were there uh, with as good of a gumbo as I've had since being in New Orleans. I'm just going down the list of their beers right now. They definitely what they said on the podcast, what they have, they just kind of have fun with it. Some of the names, um, there goes my mojo. It's pretty good. Um, the Belgian thong. That's a bold choice for sure. But I like it. The guys have a great sense of humor. Uh, if you didn't get that on the podcast, uh, they definitely do. So uh, this is, this is an interesting one. And we talked about it on the podcast. What's the actual name kit? <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, Drupalier, yeah, it's it looks like German. Yeah, it's D R U P E L I E R. Drupalier, Drupalier. So Drupalier. this is what the, is known at the at the brewery as the panty dropper. Oh, <laughs> well, it is a. So this is a Belgian triple. Uh, you are again hitting my wheelhouse with with these beers, Scott. I appreciate that. Uh, 9.7 ABV, uh, 18 IBU. Description is, this free and loose-spirited Drupalier releases an engaging aroma. The loads of tangerine peel and coriander create a beautiful yet bold triple. A Belgian yeast adds playful character and a perfectly heady experience. So you're going to have a little bit more bubbliness here. Probably that coriander is probably going to give you a little bit of bite um i'm pouring it for the guys here so we'll see what this tastes like so if you listen to that episode with red silo i believe it was nine episode nine uh this is the lady that stopped me outside as i was leaving and they have they have what they call a cup club there you you pay i think it's 65 dollars or 85 i can't remember the exact price for this red cup and it gets you a dollar off all of your beer when you're there um, and she had her little red silo, uh, steel mug that they, that they sell and was going, have you guys tried the panty dropper? 
And this lady was like in her 70s, maybe, 80s. And I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, that's all I ever drink here is the panty dropper, the panty dropper, the panty dropper. Uh, now I don't want to drink this beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to tell stories that encourage it. I like that story, though. And so then if you look, their tap handles are are carved. Um, and they're really just red, and they're kind of like a, a trapezoid. And someone had curved this tap handle into a female silhouette with the panties at the ankle. Really? Yeah. So they, they can't name it that officially, but that is the name that everybody calls it at the brewery. So this beer has uh, a fruit forwardness to it. Like you can, you can smell right up front and taste the orange peel for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the coriander is pretty hidden there. I, I don't get a lot of bite. It's got the traditional Belgian effervescence to it, although, again, not super, super champagne like a Duvel. Have you guys ever had the Chimay Dory? No. So, you know, Chimay makes red, blue, kind of just flagship Belgian quads and triples. They also have a, a Belgian white called Dory. It's D-O-R-E-E. This beer tastes a lot like that. Hmm. What do you guys think? So my first thought is it's named appropriately at the at the brewery because you do not taste the nine point eight nope. at all. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, so you could you could easily have a couple of these and be you know knocked off the stool, right? Right. Uh, I think. Gosh, man, I it this would be a dangerous beer for me. Um, I like the fruitiness. Um, you know, my favorite candy are gummy bears and. Uh, you know, Mike and Ike's and jelly beans. Uh, this kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Uh, gosh, I, I actually like it a lot. Yeah, this beer, it has a lot of the orange peel and a lot of the tangerine up front. And then I, I don't know if I agree with the coriander. It's almost a little bit more like maybe cinnamon, kind of brown sugary mm-hmm. in there. Um, it, I get a little bit more of the alcohol taste the alcohol aftertaste for me mm-hmm. um, where I can kind of tell that it's a little bit higher alcohol content. I'm a little surprised it's actually only 9.8. I would have, if had you just given this to me blind, I would have guessed closer to maybe like 10 and a half or 11%. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that I, that I would maybe hold me back from rating this as, as a high beer is um, I think the orange is a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I, I think it overwhelms it. I, I know what they're trying to do there. I like there, there's some aspect of the orange that's kind of nice because it's kind of refreshing. But um, it it is it's way forward on the orange for me. So I, I'd probably rate this a two seven five maybe. Um, you know, sort of over average. But um, <clears throat> you know, for for those of you listening out there, this is definitely kind of in the class of a belgian white with fruit Mm. beer with fruit in it Hmm. i can i can definitely see this being a big seller Mm -hmm. um i could see my wife being all over this yeah and Uh, all over the floor afterwards probably correct (laughs) how many uh, i was gonna start telling some panty dropper jokes about that but i'll 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 skip that for now (laughs) um so yeah for me i i'm probably a a little bit higher than you like yeah. probably at the four hmm. four even yeah i'm this is about two and a half for me it's um 
it's not bad by any means. It's just um, it is it's so much orange and to me cinnamon that. Um, and the other thing is that's weird about to me is like you get so much orange up front and none of it carries through into the aftertaste. Yeah, you know when you when you have um, like a Duvel, like a Duvel is sort of the classic Belgian triple. It, a Duvel has a little bit of sour on the back, which I, I'm actually not a fan of, but I love Duvel. Um, I'm not a fan of the sour flavor, but the other thing it has is almost like a a peppery snap to it. You know when you drink like a Diet Coke and you get mm-hmm. that pepper kind of on the back of it? That's what a Duvel brings. This, this they must have tried to get that with the coriander, but I don't taste it, mm-hmm. to your point. It, it almost gets uh, just mixed in with kind of the orange peel and, and the Belgian yeah. yeast in there. Um, not, not, I don't think this is a bad beer by, by any, any stretch of the imagination, and I could see how um, this could be a, a highly rated beer by... Mm-hmm. by any any number of different sort of palettes but um i i think that there are better for me i think there are better belgian triples out there um mm-hmm. uh, you know it's funny because i was listening to the red silo one i was listening to the hicksville podcast and I, and you guys open up that uh hicksville podcast with you know th- the first thing you say scott is we're sitting here drinking some great beers right and mm-hmm. i was thinking to myself <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, are you gonna sit there and say, "Oh yeah, I've had like one great beer and four crappy ones," while the while the owner is sitting there? But uh, but you know, th- this is not a bad beer by any means. It's a, it is a good beer. Yeah, and again, I didn't have this one um, at the brewery, uh, so I can't make the combination but or the comparison between the bottle and being there live, like I could with the sweet car- caramelline. So this one uh, is a special buy for Kit because uh, this one is actually right down our our fairway. Yeah, so this is the next one, which is Red Silo Lynchburg Red Barrel Aged. Scott and I both enjoy the barrel aged beers. I am literally having to peel the wax off of the uh, the bottle here. So it's got a little bit of a, of a bourbon barrel component to it. Did you have any of this while you were there? I did not. So, yeah, the bottles were all just for us to sample once we got back. The uh, the bottles for the last two are actually really cool, too. They have some really, like, kind of neat satirical cartoon artwork on it. Did you happen to ask them, like, who does their art for them? Uh, we didn't, um, but it fit the personality of the people we talked to. Yeah. Like being that, like, cartoon. Quirky. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So so I just opened this bottle and got hit with uh, a bunch of barrel aging in the, on the <laughs> nose, which is nice. So let's... Uh, I'm anxious to try this one. Let's, there's this no is de- not my n- typical forte. No description here um, other than it's a limited edition barrel aged. Um, I don't know, Nick, maybe if you, if you pull that up on untapped, yeah. uh, we can get a readout on the IBUs and the in the alcohol content here, but red in color, uh, got a strong alcohol front to it. Yeah. Just put it up on untapped, uh, 9.3% red ale, Imperial double 40 IBU. Uh, the description is Lynchburg red is a high proof that happiness does exist. Introducing (laughs) our Imperial red aged in Tennessee whiskey barrels. This rich and robust mahogany hued ale has notes of whiskey, 
apple, fig, and toffee. Aged for six months in Tennessee whiskey barrels, this smooth beer is perfect for being sipped and savored. Nice. I, uh, it's just a random thought, but I, I've been thinking about this before. Um, the cost of whiskey and bourbon barrels these days must be astronomical, mm. right? Well, the every, demand for them are so high. Exactly. Every single brewery is trying to barrel age stuff. And those guys, those guys down in Kentucky that are making bourbon, I mean, do they have any cost anymore? Like the, the cost, the barrel, they're probably selling the barrels themselves for a profit. Well, how many people are getting them for decorations in their house? Well, right. I, I actually tried to buy one one time and it was well over $200. Wow. And it, I don't, how much do they get? You're talking much? buy one for decorations. Yeah. Not like I was, I was going to try and take the, I saw a shelf made one time out of the barrel staves, kind of mm-hmm. like almost woven. It was really cool. Um, and so I, I looked at buying one and I was like, well, I don't know for 200 bucks, but how much does it cost to make a barrel these days? And right. what are they selling them for? So I know you can actually get them cheaper from the brewery oh, after really? they're done because they only have so many Brewers. barrel agings in them. Yeah. And then once that's done, it loses its. So then they become like it. I'm anxious to hear your comments on this one because it is not at all what I expected. No. So, um, Listening to Nick read that uh, that description, uh, I don't know. Is it totally wrong? <laughs> like because when I drink this, it actually tastes like a sour a bit. Is that, it is is very that just sour, me? Yeah. And I didn't hear any of that in the description. Although I guess I can taste the fig, um, but it's it is almost like raisiny. Um, it's it's t- to me it's a raisiny sour beer. And I'm not a huge fan of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this this is uh, what first popped into my head. I'm like, am I drinking a Dr. Pepper? <laughs> yeah. yeah. With alcohol in it. I right? can kind of see a less sweet Dr. Pepper. Yep. I do get a just a hint of the alcohol, like the, the whiskey taste in there, but it is it's it's a sour. Yes. Yeah. To- I totally agree with that. But it's like a raisiny sour. I mean, the fig is there. You can taste that fig. It's got that depth of, uh, of kind of plummy fruit taste to it. Um, but yeah, to Scott's point, this is this is like a sour Dr Pepper with alcohol in it. Well, and have you ever had a a barrel age that was that fizzy? No, not really. Yeah, it's it's not. You know, nor, normally you're drinking barrel age stuff that's really smooth. Maybe that's because of the stouts that we drink a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's got a little bit of fizz to it. To your point, though, earlier, I almost wonder if this batch was in maybe the fourth, like the third or fourth batch through that keg, and that's why it doesn't have as strong of a of a barrel-aged taste to it. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is not landing for me. <laughs> well, and that, that's a great question because – um, I believe that Kike at the one year anniversary of uh, Olentangy was talking to me about that each time after it's a different type of beer you put in there, uh, like a stout mm. on the first time because it's strong enough to handle it. And then you, you, you're lowering the heaviness of the beer uh, each time you use it because it, it need it, it's more subtle then. And I'm guessing that's what it is. Cause this is a red ale. It tastes actually fairly light. And I, I think I remember him talking about that. It's pretty much 
the more you brew in that barrel, the lighter you kind of go on the beer. Um, this is definitely kind of like a lighter and red ale. Um, definitely it, very bubbly, but I do not get much of the barrel aged taste from it. Yeah, and, and then uh, I don't know, like the <clears throat> to call this a red. I don't know. I I think of reds. Um, I get. I guess a flagship red would be like a Killian's, right? Um, they, they tend to have a, a little bit of caramel hints to them, and this does not to me. I mean, th- this this tastes like a straight up sour to me. I don't really get sort of that red flavor. Um, I would say you know we we've talked about um, entry beers. Uh, you know, kind of how you get into craft. I, I remember my the first favorite beer I had was a Line and Kugel's Red. They used to mm. make. They I think they still make it. Um, I was in my early twenties, and that used to be like if. And, and yes, a, Line and Kugel's made beer before the Lemon Shandy. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. It's exactly right. They were actually an independently owned brewery, probably one of the first crafts that you could actually consider. And I remember when we were in college. Um, Whenever we could scrape together enough money to get beyond a thirty pack of Keystone or Bush Light, um, or uh, we drank a lot of Stros for whatever reason, it was cheap in Minnesota. Minnesota is what they would call it. Um, we'd 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 spend the extra money to buy uh, Liney's Red, and that was a great beer. But it had that more body and a little bit of caramel, a little bit of amber notes to it. This has this is just all sour to me. So I'm I would I'm gonna give this a one. That's what I have it at too. Scott. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I added it at two. Okay. All right. Same deal, right? Thank you so much for joining us on the Tennessee Tasting and Roundtable Discussion Part One. Uh, stay tuned for next week where this discussion will continue, uh, and we'll go through uh, some more tastings and talk about that acquisition that we mentioned at the top of the show. And a move happening here in Columbus, and I finally pay off the bet to Kit. Uh, So check in that next week, and we'll see you then. Thanks. This has been Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Again, my name is Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that like button or subscribe button. And feel free to give us a really good rating. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much again for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter.